morning. Scripture this morning comes from James chapter 1. We'll read verses 2 through 8. James 1, 2 through 8. And it reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You may be seated. Well, I'm certainly delighted to be with you today. Thank you for that beautiful singing. Very fervent scriptural prayers for the scripture reading. Those who've led us in worship, we're very grateful to you and for you and appreciate very much your service today. So happy to have everyone with us today in our worship service. We hope you'll come back and be with us again tonight at 6 o'clock as we continue our Sunday night seminar on the subject of prayer. I want to say this morning that it's a joy to be a Christian. It's a joy to be a child of God. And this Bible passage that we read together today, James chapter 1, there James says, count it all joy when you face these difficulties and problems and vicissitudes of life. Count it all joy. And he tells us about these particular matters and some of the purpose behind it. One of the great mistakes a skeptic makes is a failure to see the value of, the prob- of pain and suffering in this life. Paul said, James says, count it all joy because it teaches us valuable lessons, invaluable lessons we dare not miss. Uh, the world wants us to be filled with joy too. In fact, the world's very hectic. It's telling us what we need to have in order to be filled with happiness. And you know what it says? Buy my product and you'll be happy. Watch my advertisement and get my service and you'll be happy. Joy in your life amounts to buying my product and having that in your life and then that'll be a happy life and you'll be able to experience great joy. And I have to admit, there's some happiness and joy in buying the new thing that you wanted and being able to accomplish that. There's some happiness there. There's some joy in some of the things which we've been able to accomplish and some of the things which we have and some of the services which can be provided. But the deep joy that lasts and abides doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from externals. To fill your life with joy, count it all joy, comes from something else. There are some elements in this world that give us some joy, but it's a shallow, surfacey thing, and the joy which we experience at the time is short-lived. Soon the item loses its luster, and the glitter is no longer there, 
and it's just not as important to us as it was in the beginning. But the joy that the Bible is talking about is a joy that lasts and lasts. It's a a deep-seated joy, a deep-seated happiness. It's a great joy to be a child of God. It's a great joy to be a Christian. And the Bible addresses this particular matter. And therefore, I want to study it. I want to know what the Bible says about the important subject of my happiness and how to acquire it, how it can be obtained in my life. And I know one thing, whatever the Bible says is right. And I know another thing, that we're going to do what the Bible says because whatever the Bible tells us to do and we do it, we'll be blessed in the doing. Philippians chapter 4 and 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That Bible passage, if you mark it and you read it, it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It's a passage just really sticks in your mind and sticks in your heart because it's talking about the kind of life that is available to us as children of God. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who have experienced the new birth, being baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, rejoice in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. It's a little verse, two words. Paul says, rejoice evermore. Now, how can you do that? It's not the kind of joy that changes here and there and is a surfacey kind of joy and a surfacey kind of happiness that's attached to things. Oh, I used to think that way. I used to think that happiness was attached to things. And joy was the kind of clothes that I would wear, the kind of car that I would drive, or the kind of things that I could obtain. That's where the joy was, but it's short-lived. This kind of attitude toward happiness is bound to fail, and we soon find that it just doesn't satisfy. But the joy that the Bible addresses is an important subject with regard to how we live here in this life. And how we look forward to the life to come. It's the kind of joy that God blesses us with. It's the kind that we really want. And so by now, I hope someone is saying, Okay, I get that. I get that the joy the Bible has is very important. I get that we need to have it. But Jim, how? How are you going to get this? How are we going to have this? How? How do we get this kind of joy? Sure, I can understand how that the joy of getting a new thing here, a new thing there, something new happening in life has a transitory type of joy to it, an element of, of temporary joy. But, you know, this steadfast joy you're talking about that's deep down in your heart where Bible writers are talking about rejoice evermore or rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice even though the man's confined in prison, he's writing to people, so rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. I'd like to have that. I'd like to know how to get that. And that's what I want the Bible to teach me. How do I get it? How do I order my life? What am I supposed to do? Tell me what to do. Well, the wonderful thing about that is the Bible tells us what to do. It doesn't have to be any kind of quick fix, and it's not that for me or any kind of person, but it's the kind of study that the Bible enlightens and and gives us perception to and understanding when we go to the Word of God and we study the matter and we study it very carefully. How do we get it? We're going to get it when we put our trust in the Lord. 
And you're going to think, well, okay, I've heard that before, and you probably have. We had referenced that particular matter before. But it deserves to be talked about again. It's such a fundamental matter. It has to do with our faith. It has to do with our confidence. It has to do with our trust. And when we put our faith and our confidence and our trust in the Lord, then the joy is going to be a part of our lives and an expectation of our lives. Turn with me to John chapter 16. Let's get the Bible on it. In John chapter 16, look at about verse 20 there. Jesus is talking about some very serious matters, and he tells his disciples, Your sorrow is going to be turned into joy. Truly, truly, I say to you, John 16 and 20, You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Verse 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Verse 22. John 16 and 22. Well, what's he talking about in the passage? Well, he's instructing his apostles about his death. And they come to understand something about the death of the Lord, but he said this is going to turn into great joy. Sure, it's a matter of anguish, and sure, it's a matter of suffering. There's a matter of grief involved to it. But Jesus said it's going to turn into great joy and satisfaction. It's sort of like a woman when she gives birth to a child. There's great suffering in that. But after a while, she forgets the suffering over the joy that here's a new baby born into the family. That's the way it is with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For those apostles, it was an element of great suffering and an element of great sorrow. But for us, it is an element of great joy. And they would be filled with great joy as well. And let me just challenge you just for a brief moment. Think about it this way. When was the last time you studied the facts about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Now, there's a story there. It's true. And the facts are all there. And we can go back and read those facts, and they never get old. We read them and reread them and we restudy them, and we look for more insights here and more understanding there because of those great events give great joy. It causes us to put our trust in the Lord. That kind of faith building study causes us to say yes to the Lord. Those historical facts are not going to change. They took place in Galilee a long time ago. And even though they're very old historical facts, they're still true. True today, just as true as the day they were first experienced, that Jesus suffered and died and was buried. and was raised from the dead by the power of God on the third day, just as He said He would be. And it gives us great joy. Because we put our trust in those facts. And every time, even though I look into a grave and I see a loved one that's lowered down, or you've had a loved one, or a friend, or a close one, 
those who are in the Lord. There can still be joy in that because of what Jesus did a long time ago. He suffered and he died and he was buried and he was raised. And I look in that grave and I think there's going to be a resurrection day for me and a resurrection day for my loved one there who was in the Lord. There was great joy there because I put my trust in the Lord. I pity people. I pity people who can't have this kind of faith because they choose not to. I pity the people who simply won't exercise the effort that it takes to study and learn and apply it to their lives and put their trust in the Lord because they're forfeiting the joy that God wants them to have. Go back and study it. Go back and read it. And when you take that piece of bread that you did this morning, you remember about the body that was slain on that cross. And when you take that cup and you drink of that fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ, you'll remember what Jesus did on that day a long, long time ago. And to his apostles, he said, it's to you a great deal of suffering and sorrow, but it's going to turn out to be joy for the world by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's great joy. There's joy in the church because we're a part of the body. The church of the Lord, there's joy there. It's a great joy to be a child of God. There's hope there. Because now, because of what Jesus did, I live life with hope and expectation to receive eternal life in the life to come. Turn with me to the old Bible. Pages found for us in the book of Psalms. There in Psalm 119. We find a beautiful passage there talking about the joy which can be ours when we study the Word of God and learn about this matter. Psalm 119 is an acrostic. Uh, Let me explain a little bit about that. When you turn to Psalm 119, you're looking at an amazing piece of inspired material. It's amazing. Every section is divided off with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then the words that begin those verses starts with a word that begins with that letter. It boggles the mind. And when you go through this largest of the Psalms, you see God's estimation of really His own word. So in the very beginning, the first section is called Aleph. And then the next one is called Bait. And the next one is Gimbal. And it goes all the way through. And it comes down to the passage that I had in mind way over here at about... Uh, 161, verse 161, Psalm 119. Now, this English Standard Version, it has some wonderful things that I like, but it does some things that bug me a little bit, and, and, and this is one of them. Here, resh is one of the Hebrew words, the letter resh, verse uh, 153, and then sin and shin. That's not quite the way it is. The next word is sheen. Seen and sheen. That's the next letters, two letters, Hebrew alphabet. Actually, please forgive me a little bit on this, okay? But I like this stuff, so I like to talk about it. These consonants are so much alike. The only difference between them is the vowel pointing that takes place in the consonant. So sometimes it's pronounced uh, a sheen, and sometimes it's pronounced shin. And so it has a different pronunciation. So you see it in 161. Now, I said all that to get to verse 162, and I'll start with the beginning of the paragraph. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. 
I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I rejoice in studying the word of God. I rejoice like I found a great treasure. Now the Bible talks about the kingdom. In fact, one of those little parables. Let me turn to it rather quickly. Found for us in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to jump back to the New Testament now. In Matthew chapter 13 is that great chapter on parables. And I, it may be the smallest parable of the parables that Jesus gave. But in that chapter 13 about, oh, it's verse 44, I think, where he talks about a treasure hidden in a field. Now, I just read a passage about how he rejoiced over studying the Word of God because it was like great spoil, the discovery of great spoil. But here in Matthew 13 and 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He buys the field because he knows if I have the field, I have the treasure. Now, it's just a parable. I say just a parable. It's an illustration to help us understand a great spiritual truth. And that's about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like, it is like a man who found a treasure. And when he found that treasure, he sold everything that he had so that he could buy the field and obtain the treasure. With joy, he was willing to do this. That's where the joy is going to come from. The joy that really lasts, the joy that really is deep down in our hearts, really makes a difference in our lives, is the joy that we put our trust in God and God's Word. I'm trusting Him, and I'm growing in the joy that God really wants me to have. It's a joy to be a child of God. Before you're going to get that, though, you're going to have to cultivate a thankful heart. And I think thankfulness becomes more and more of an important quality that I should incorporate in my life. And I have to tell you, being thankful is not easy for me sometimes. It's just not automatically, I'm just not automatically a thankful person. I have to learn to be thankful. Being thankful is like cultivating a certain way of heart and a certain way of looking at things. And a lot of times I haven't been thankful. A lot of times I had the real short-sighted view of life. And all I could see were the problems and the difficulties and, you know, the hardships and that kind of thing. And sometimes I was that way. All I could do was see the little short-sighted view of life. Man, I got problems here. Thankfulness takes work to cultivate that kind of attitude of heart. If I really want to have joy that the Bible tells me that I can have, then I'm going to have to try to cultivate a thankful kind of heart. And I find myself back in the pages of the Old Testament again. And I see in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 1, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 2. Psalm 103 and verse 2. And forget not all his benefits, 
who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. My youth, my life is renewed like the eagles. I don't know if this is a very good illustration, but if you've ever seen a chicken that goes through a molt, I don't know if it's quite fair to compare an eagle with a chicken. But I'm not really up on my chicken farming. But they'll go through a molt, but the new feathers come back. I think that's the idea with regard to the eagle here. This eagle goes through a molt. The old feathers are cast off, but the new feathers come on. And God has done that for him. And my youth, my life, the vigor that I have for life is like the old feathers that have molted away. And now I have the new. And I'm thankful. It helps me become more thankful because I've got God in my heart. And I'm counting the blessings that God has given me. And I know that I'm studying out of this Old Testament passage. But did you see what he said over there in Psalm 103, verse 3? Who forgives all your iniquity? And as a child of God living under the New Testament, that's exactly what he's done. He has forgiven me of every sin. He not only has forgiven me of every sin, he does not remember that sin any longer. Every sin I've committed has been forgiven because I've repented of those sins and I've met the terms of grace, which is confession of faith and immersion in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. And there's joy. I'm free from my sins. And when I sin, I go back to my Heavenly Father and I say, Lord, forgive me. And you know, I find I do that every single day. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me when I fail you. We prayed that today. Thank you, Virgil, for that prayer. Forgive us of our sins. We're praying that God, and He hears us. You know what? You go to the dentist, make an appointment. This says nothing about the fine dentist that we may have in the auditorium today. But you have to make an appointment with the dentist. Or if you go to the doctor, this says nothing of the fine doctors we have in our auditorium today. You have to make an appointment to see the doctor. God, you don't have to make an appointment. As human beings, we have to have these things like appointments. But with God, you don't have to make an appointment. Lord, I need you, and he's right there, and I'm thankful I don't have to make an appointment with God to go in and see Him. As a child of God, I simply go to Him and bend a knee in my prayer closet, as it were, and in turn, He is there for me. Lord, please forgive me. And He does as I repent of my sins. Lord, I need You, and He's there. No matter what the difficulty is, no matter what the problem might be, Lord, I need You, I need Your help, and He's there. And I don't have to make an appointment to get to God. God, for the child of God, is always there. And He's only as far away as my prayer. Only as far away as my heart. I'll tell you something else I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful for Jesus Christ and what He has done for me. That He made that forgiveness possible. Without Jesus, it wouldn't be possible. There is no way. 
I could have atonement for sin without the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you something else I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the Bible. That I can go and study the Bible, the Word of God, and know how to go. Know what to do. Know what not to do. I don't have to take his opinion or that opinion. I don't have to go by the most modern, convenient idea of the day. I can go by the tried and trusted truth of God's Word and know what to do and when to do it and when not to do it. The only issue is, am I going to believe it and am I going to put it into practice? How do I get the joy of being a child of God? I've got to cultivate a thankful heart. Now, I can be the kind of person who always looks at the bad thing. I can look at the bad thing over here and look at the bad thing over there and there's a lot of bad things to look about. Or I can be the kind of person who works at cultivating a thankful heart. Lord, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the church the world over. Now I have to admit, trying to be just as open and honest with you as I can possibly be, sometimes church members frustrate me. Have you ever gotten that view sometimes? sometimes but I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the church of the Lord, a body of people filled with friends that are concerned for me and about me. I'm thankful that God knows everything about me. He knows how many hairs I have on my head. He knows even when a sparrow falls to the ground and God's goodness is there when my heart is breaking and I need Him. I am thankful, and that's how I get joy in living the Christian life. It's not just me, it's what the Bible is telling all of us. I'm going to have to learn to enjoy, and you might think this is a little unusual point that I'm trying to make here. I'm trying to talk about the how. How's this going to happen? How am I going to incorporate this into my life? And I'm going to have to learn to enjoy. And you might think, well, that's an easy thing to do, but not really. Turn with me. I'm still in the book of Psalms, and I happen to be over here in Psalm 118, and I I looked at this verse, verse 24. You ought to mark this in your Bible. I'm in Psalm 118, verse 24. He says over here in verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. For emphasis sake, I want to help you with that. Psalm 118, verse 24. It's a passage that's telling me you've got to learn to enjoy the blessings that God has given us day by day. Choose to be happy. Choose to enjoy the blessings that God has given. While I'm here, I think I'll turn to another poetical book, and that's in the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is a very interesting study from the pages of God's Word, and I'm thinking about Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now, isn't this an interesting verse? Here the wise man looks at the different aspects of life. Will this bring happiness or will that bring happiness? And it's a very interesting study just to go through the book of Ecclesiastes and see how he comes out with this. But he comes to chapter 5, and he's in verse 18, and he says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Mark Ecclesiastes 5.18 Learn to enjoy day by day the things which God has given us. And there's so many 
so many wonderful things that God has in store for us. Enjoy the little things of life. I used to think, and I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, well, I'd be glad when state fair time comes. Well, we'll be happy then. Or I enjoy, I'd be glad when I get out of high school, man. I'll be a happy boy then. Learn to enjoy the little things in life and be thankful for them. For the air we breathe and the food we eat, the houses we live in, the clothes we wear, learn to enjoy what God has given and be glad. Now, people who don't believe in God and people who can't seem to get this lesson, you know what they're going to see. They see the ugly things in life. And there's a lot of ugly things out there to look at. A lot of ugly things to focus on. And that's what they focus on. They don't believe in God. Or they don't believe in God's Word. Or they don't take God's Word to heart. And they don't believe it. And they focus on the ugly things. They focus on the bad things. There are a lot of bad things out there to focus on. But a Christian who learns to enjoy the blessings that God has given. Learns to focus on and enjoy the little things that God gives us every single day. And they become important, as they should. That's why Paul would say, Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4 and verse 4. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And I love this verse, verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And what about this? This passage just goes on and on. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's telling us how to think, and he's telling us this is the way to think, and the way to joy is to learn, to be grateful and thankful for the many things which God has given us. And it is a beautiful world God has given. Now, if all you're going to do is look at the ugly things in life, then you're going to miss out on the joy that God has in store for you. But if you look at the beautiful things that God has done every single day in our lives, choose to be that way. Decide that's the way I'm going to live. I want to talk about another point or two, and I must hurry it along. To find real joy, you've got to live righteously. You've got to be able to say no to sin and temptation. You've got to be able to say no to the devil. And the devil comes at us in all sorts of different forms and different fashions. And that's one of the things that we need to always be aware of. Keep your heart and keep it aligned with God and God's Word. Learn to live righteously. Follow what the Word of God has taught us. Apply that to your life. And in turn, you'll receive the joy that God has in store. And so with that in mind, I want to continue my reading of Philippians chapter 4. And I want to emphasize for us verse 9. What you have learned and received 
and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Live righteously is what he's saying. I'm reading out of Philippians chapter 4 and the verse, verse 9, a passage you can read from the pages of your own Bible. And it's a very simple passage, and you really don't need anyone explaining or discussing. We just need to believe this passage. You know, what you see in the Word of God, what you've learned in the Word of God. Practice these things. Put it into practice. Live the righteous kind of life. That's the kind of life which is going to cause us to really be happy and to have the joy that God wants us to have. It's not attached to things. If I had some advice for young people, I'd have this advice. Happiness is not attached to things. Things will give us some feeling of temporary happiness and joy. But the lasting joy that stays with us that no one can take away from us. That kind of joy is not attached to things. That kind of joy is the kind that comes about by living the righteous kind of life. And I want to tell you something. As a young person, and I hope you're listening to me, when you go to bed at night and you lay your pillow on, head on that pillow, you can know. Think about it. You and God are in the right kind of relationship with each other. And joy can be and is yours. Now, if you go to bed at night and your pillow's stuffed with thorns, thorns, as it were, and you're tossing and you're turning and you're this and you're fretting over this and you're fretting over that, there's no joy in that. But when you can go and lay down your head at night on that pillow and you realize God and I are closer today... We were closer today because I've lived more like him today than I did yesterday. And tomorrow, if there is a tomorrow, I'm going to be a little bit closer to him. God and I are closer together because I'm studying his word and I'm living his message every single day. You can go to bed at night with a sense of satisfaction and joy, knowing I'm living the kind of life God wants me to live. And God and I are together on the same page here. Because God's told me what to do, and I'm doing it, and I feel satisfied, and there's joy in that, because I've lived the righteous kind of life. But if you've got sin that stains your soul and harms your heart, you can't lay there at night thinking God and I are not together. This is not right. Let's do something about that. Live the righteous kind of life and have the courage to live it like God tells you to live it and enjoy the joy which can be yours. It's a joy to be a Christian. There's another point here that I want to get to. And this is something that it took me a while to learn. You've got to learn to give. If you want to enjoy life like a Christian, then you've got to learn to give. And I find myself back here in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 again. Isn't this a great book? I read chapter 5, verse 18 a moment ago, but now I found this verse in verse 10. You may want to study it and consider it carefully. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. 
ain't it the truth? Nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10. What's the wise man saying there other than there's got to be something more to life than the eager pursuit of wealth. There's got to be something more to it than just the accumulation of more and more things. There's more to life. There's more important things to life than just the collection of material things. He says, now you're never going to be satisfied. If you focus your life on the things, if you focus your life on the money, if that's the thing of your life, you're never going to get the joy that God wants you to have in living the Christian life. You're never going to get the satisfaction that can be yours when you're focused in that direction. It's vanity. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it's useless. You're never going to be satisfied because you want more and more, and satisfaction can't be found in that way. How is satisfaction to be found? Well, I found a passage in the New Testament that helped me in the matter, and I thought about it considerably, and I want to present it to you. It's given to us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, and it's a unique verse because it's nowhere found in the gospel accounts of the Lord. Verse 35 is a statement by Jesus found in the book of Acts. And this statement's not found in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John Chronicles of the Lord. But it is found, and it is inspired, and Jesus did say it. And it's brought up in this particular context, in this fashion, Acts 20 and 35. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, and here's the statement, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now this would be a good time to go back to Philippians chapter 4 and read the last part of that chapter. How that he makes that very point about the benefit that the giver receives when they give. It's a hard lesson to understand because we're of the kind of nature that wants it all coming to me. I want to take it for me. I want to take it for me. And it's hard for us to learn the lesson It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And Paul helps us with that in the last portion of Philippians chapter 4. The benefit goes to the giver when you give. And if you want to enjoy life and live life like a Christian, receiving the joy that God wants you to have, you learn to give. Now what I've spent most of my time with today helping us discuss this important subject. What does the Bible say about the how? How are we going to get this? We're going to put our trust in the Lord. We're going to cultivate a thankful heart. We're going to learn to enjoy the blessings that God has given us. We're going to put this into practice. We're going to live righteously and do what God has told us to do in the pages of the Bible. Not going to give it just lip service. We're going to do it. And we're going to learn a hard lesson. The lesson of the blessing to give to those who are in need. And joy will be yours. You'll never be right in God's sight until you obey the gospel of Christ. You've got to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3, and confess your faith. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10, you've got to be baptized. That is, immersed in water for the remission of sins. I do not apologize for that, not one bit, because that's part of the gospel. The fundamentals of the gospel to be obeyed, that must be complied with. There in turn, we've got to live the faithful Christian life every day thereafter. I'm not ashamed to tell you about that, not for a minute. Am I the perfect embodiment of that? No, I'm not. I'm working with that every single day. But that's what it says, and that's what we will do. And you'll have to decide. Do you really want to have joy in life? You can have it. Choose to be happy by following God and God's Word. And do it now. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we...